Ingratitude is a very common sin that Christians encounter, I think, on a daily basis. Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We come to a familiar passage here in the scriptures. Luke chapter 17. We're just going to read a few verses here, starting verse 11. Luke chapter 17, in verse 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Pray with me now as we get ready to, uh, to hear the preaching this evening. Lord, thank you for today, for this sermon that you've allowed us to, um, that you've allowed me to, to have. Lord, help me as I deliver it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn what we can from the message this evening. Thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you that we can learn from it. Though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still just as prevalent today as it was back then. God, please speak to us now. We pray in your name. Amen. How thankful are we? This is a very familiar story that we read here in the scriptures. It's a famous story on thankfulness. Jesus was in Jerusalem, and out, Jesus was uh, through Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse 11, he had passed through Jerusalem now in the midst of Samaria and Galilee when 10 lepers show up to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was with Jesus at this time and I see 10 lepers afar off, I, you know, I, I would be even farther off. You know? I, would, I would keep my distance, especially of all the speculation of things that took place back then when it comes to leprosy. And you know the story, 10 came up, and uh, well, from a distance, they were, it seemed like they were sort of uh, at a distance talking to each other here. And they see Jesus in verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So it seems here that, and there's differing opinions on exactly what happens here, but it seems to me in verse, the end of verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus yells at them and says, hey, go show yourself to the priests. So the ten lepers said, well, we may as well, we've got nothing else to do. So they start walking to the priest. And the reason Jesus told them to go to the priest is because this is the proper 
protocol that was set up for them to do in Leviticus 13. If you were, had any signs of leprosy or, or any signs of any kind of skin rash or something, first step, go see a priest. If the priest looks at you and says, you're fine, then you're fine. So this was the proper protocol. And Jesus says, go see a priest. So verse end of verse 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. So before they even got to the priest, you know, they were, they were healed, which would make sense. So on the way there, it, so it seems, now we go to verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. So here's 10 guys, 10 lepers. Jesus yells at them and says, go to the priest. So now on the way there, they realize, I, mean, I can imagine they're walking down the streets and who knows how far they had gotten at this point. Maybe they had walked a few kilometers now away from where Jesus was. And on the way there, one guy says, man, you know, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good. I feel like, you know, maybe he was walking faster than he normally had. Maybe he just felt different. So maybe he unwraps one of his arm bandages and he looked and, hey, hey guys, look at my arm. Look, I think, and then one guy says, oh, my leg. And he maybe he pulls up his pant leg and that, that scab that was once growing is, it's not there anymore. And they begin to look around and maybe one guy pulls off his mask and says, look, look at my face. What does my face look like? And maybe his friend said, well, yeah, it still looks ugly, but it's not there anymore. That The leprosy, I think it's gone. I don't, I don't know if they talked that way back then. But they looked, and they were so amazed. They were excited. And on the way, and now, no doubts, now they're excited. Now they're starting to skip and hop and jump and run to, to, the, to see the nearest priest, the nearest priest clinic, to see if they were healed. And on the way there, verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. No doubt one of the guys there looked, looked around and said, hey guys, <laughs> like b before we lose Jesus, before we, we can never see him again, let's go back and thank him first. No doubt one of them, they were probably talking. I, I imagine these 10 guys were friends. I don't know. Maybe they had just ran into each other on the way to see Jesus. Uh, but it kind of seems like they were lepers together. Maybe they had been this way for a while. We don't really know anything about these guys. I imagine they were some kind of acquaintance and one guy must have looked at the rest and said, hey guys, look, you guys can go on, but I got to go back and, and thank Jesus. I, I got to see him one more time. I, I know where he is now. If, if we lose him now, I may never see him again. I may never get that chance. I don't know if that conversation happened, but I do know what the outcome was. I do know what did happen. Now, of the 10, one thought it best to go back immediately and thank Jesus. Now, does this mean that the other nine weren't thankful? I'm sure that if these other nine guys at any time in their future had come across Jesus in the street, I'm sure, I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm hoping, but I'm sure they would have thought to walk up to Jesus and said, thank you. Do you, you, you may not remember who I am, but you healed us all the way back in the, when we were in Samaria. You heal us, thank you. I'm sure those other nine were thankful, but how thankful were they? Where are the other nine, Jesus says? One guy couldn't take a chance of not being able to thank God for what he had done. He didn't want to wait. He didn't want to miss an opportunity. He had to stop what he was doing. As excited as he was, 
Who, who knows, he may have had a wife and kids. He may have had a family to go to. He could have just longed to see them so eagerly. But he thought, no, I've got to take this chance and thank God. And I've got to do it now. This man in the scripture was thankful. He was very thankful. He was so thankful, he had to thank God at this moment in time. And as I read the scriptures here, I really see three main reasons why this man was truly thankful to God. And the first reason comes to us in verse 13. See, as these 10 men are walking to Jesus, the Bible says in verse, uh, look at verse 12 first, as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 that were lepers, 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off, verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I believe the first reason that this man was thankful, he was just simply thankful, first of all, for the mercy of God. He was thankful for the mercy of God. You say, why so? Why specifically would he be thankful for the mercy of God? Well, first of all, they ask Jesus for it, and Jesus shows them mercy. Why? Because lepers back then, well, they didn't have the greatest of conditions. A leper back then was considered an outcast. They were, at least from what we can tell, many aspects and strands of leprosy were very contagious. Leprosy has terrified humanity since ancient times and has been reported as early as 600 BC in India, China, and in Egypt. And today, as far as we can tell, at least a portion of the leprosy that we see in the scriptures today has been called uh, Hansen's disease. And it is still a major problem in certain third world countries today. There is a cure for Hansen's disease. Uh, there is a cure for it. I know talking about disease and sickness maybe isn't the most uplifting thing during these circumstances. But understand this. There, was a, a cure, there is a cure for this today. But back then there wasn't. There wasn't a cure for it. Disease is a constant reminder just how bad things have gotten since creation. Because when God created the earth... It was perfect, right? I mean, Adam and Eve were perfect. The Garden of Eden, perfect environment, perfect place. We look at the world today. Anything that's not perfect is a result of sin. Not that if something, not that if you today have a sickness, it is because of your sin in your life. But the fact that it exists today is the result of the sinfulness of mankind. The term leprosy. And the Bible includes leper, lepers, leprosy, or leprous. It occurs over 68 times. Most of those are in the Old Testament. 55 of them are in the Old Testament. 13 times we see mentioned in the New Testament. Now, the term leprosy, as far as we can tell, especially if you read Leviticus 13, it's a very broad term. It really refers to uh, any kind of a, a rash or any kind of something that is deemed contagious or deemed a form of disease. If there was some kind of a rash that would start, and you could read Leviticus 13 and 14 later if you like. There's a whole process of how they would deal with this. And something about the hair when it would turn white and there'd be white spots and if it would start to spread. And they actually had uh, quarantine. They had uh, rules and guidelines set up for quarantine 
to, to check and to make sure it wasn't contagious or wouldn't spread. And they've got all kinds of stuff. I'll let you read Leviticus 13 and 14 later. But back then, if you were deemed leprous, if the priest looked at you and said, look, that, you have all the symptoms, you have all the signs, look, I think you have leprosy. They would begin this quarantine process, and if it began to spread, then they were told to leave town. They couldn't be around people anymore. They were, they were outcasted. Back then, without a cure, if you were deemed a leper, you were deemed hopeless. The, the term today, Hansen's disease, it wasn't coined until 1873, by, as you could probably imagine, a guy named, last name was Hansen, and he was able to pinpoint the different strands that there were of leprosy, and not all apparently are contagious, and not all have the same effects, but if left untreated, it's a pretty nasty, nasty thing to have. Not only was a leper considered an outcast, but they were also unwanted. There's no known cure. Some would even classify them as the walking dead. I mean, there's no cure for them. The only hope for them is that they could die a, a, a painless death. Although, and according to research, Hansen's disease at least, it's an attack on the nervous system. Eventually, you actually get to a point where you lose your sense of feeling, of touch, and of pain. Which is why sometimes uh, uh, things would happen to your body and it wouldn't really affect them. They couldn't feel it happening to them. It was really just a terrible, terrible thing. They'd spend their days alone begging for bread. In, mid in medieval times, it was, there was a big out uh, outbreak of leprosy. And what they would often do is allow people to, they would, uh, they would give them sections of town that they could beg. And they could get bread and water and actually, a lot of churches back in medieval times would set up uh, monasteries and things to help those who had such a disease. If you were fortunate to live near a colony, they call them leper colonies, you could go and, and live there. But still, what kind of a, a life is that? Why do you think this man was so thankful for the mercy of God? Because he was a man who was deemed unwanted, who was deemed contagious, who was deemed an outcast, who was something that nobody wanted anymore. And God would heal him. What mercy. The man was so thankful that his life, a new life had been given to him again. Or, or maybe we could say his old life could be given to him again. Depending on how long he had been in this state, here's a man now who could go back to his old life who was so thankful for the mercy of his master as he called him in verse 13. Oh, he was thankful. Not only was he thankful for the mercy of God, look in verse 14. And when he saw them, this is Jesus, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. In verse 14, we see that he was also thankful simply for the miracle of God. Obviously. This is the, mo the main reason he was thankful. That he was healed. Not just for the mercy of God, that his life had been restored, that God took the time to, to look at this man from a distance and heal him. 
Just the fact that he would be willing to even acknowledge his existence, he was thankful for that. But of course, he was thankful that God took the time to heal him. There was no cure. Jesus was the only hope, the only answer for him. There was no remedy for this except Jesus Christ. Oh, of course, he was thankful. And I'm sure the other ten, the other nine were as well, but not, not like this man. I mean, imagine having no hope, no future, no plans, no friends, or maybe few friends, no family to go and visit anymore, no house to go to, or at least losing your old house, no job to be able to hold, no place to be loved and outcast and unwanted. Imagine going from that to all of a sudden realizing you could have all that back again. As many of you know, in, in the scriptures, leprosy is, is a, an example, the type of sin, as we know. It's an example of sin. And everyone here on this earth has this spiritual leprosy. We're born with it, with sin. We we're born with this spiritual leprosy. And in the sight of God, any person that has this spiritual leprosy is an outcast. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated me, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin is a, is a terrible thing, and in the sight of God, it's something that God can't even look at. He has to hide his face from sin. God is perfect. He's holy. He's just. He can't look on something that's unholy and unjust and Sinful. He can't look at iniquity. He separates himself from it. When these men were deemed lepers, they were outcasted. They had to separate themselves from society, from people. They could only hang out with other people like them. But despite this horrible condition that this spiritual leprosy has placed upon so many people since the beginning of time, there is a cure. And it's the same person that cured this leper thousands of years ago. The answer to this cure is Jesus Christ. He is the cure. But first, in order to receive this cure, we must be like this leper in verse 13 and lift up their voice and cry out to Jesus. They first had to lift up their voice and acknowledge Jesus and get Jesus' attention and speak to Jesus. Just as it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. These men would have never been healed had they not cried out to Jesus in the first place and said, Master, have mercy on us. Today, you and I are filled. We are born with this spiritual leprosy. And in order for us to receive that friendship with Christ, in order for us to get healed from this, we have to cry out to Christ. We have to cry out to God. Master, have mercy on us. And should we do that? Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, how does it end? Christ died for us. 
Christ is the ultimate cure, and he proved that. He proved his love toward us by giving himself to die on the cross and taking upon him the sins of the world, taking away that leprosy, giving us a chance, to, a chance now to be forgiven. Oh, this man absolutely was thankful for the miracle of God. Not just the mercy of God, but the miracle that God would even be willing to heal him and that he was healed. Oh, he was so excited. He couldn't contain himself. And yes, he probably wanted to go back to his old life. And I'm sure he wanted to go back and see possibly his wife and kids or his family and friends. But more importantly, above everything else, he now had a new master. He now had somebody that he favored above all else. And not just because of the mercy that had been bestowed upon him. And not just because of the miracle that had been bestowed upon him. But in verse 15, because of the love that was bestowed upon him. He was thankful, lastly, because of the love that God bestowed. Say, well, of course he loved him, but, but you got to understand verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. Now, Jesus had encountered Samaritans all throughout his journeys. I mean, he was in Samaria or, or near. He was in the midst, actually. Is that what it says? Verse 11, he was in the midst of Samaria. So, of course, he's going to run into a Samaritan. And we don't know what the other nine were, but it almost seems like the fact that it was specified that this man was a Samaritan, it's possible the other nine weren't. They could have been Jews. We're not sure. But here's a man here. And as you know, the history, Samaritans were looked down upon by Jews. They were, they were half Jew. So they were, a lot of times they were outcasted just for being a half Jew, not being full. And there's more to it than just that. But just know that the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. Now, Jesus was a Jew, born and raised a Jew. And he knew who this guy was. He knew his name. He knew everything about him. He knew he was a Samaritan. And not only was this man just so grateful to have the mercy of God in his life and to be healed of this miracle, but that God would overlook who he was and save him. To make the situation even more encouraging, the love of God goes beyond culture. It goes beyond skin color. It goes beyond our background. Whatever it may be, it goes beyond gender, it goes beyond diversities, it goes beyond civil unrest, it goes beyond politics, it goes beyond violence, it goes beyond war, it even goes beyond the main problem itself, spiritual leprosy. God's love surpasses everything that you or I could ever encounter in life. God's love has no bounds, it has no limits, it's, it's never ending, it's all encompassing. Where are the nine? That, that statement, that phrase, it sticks. It sticks with me. Where are the nine? Why did they not return to give thanks? This, intim this uh, intimates that ingratitude is a very common sin that Christians encounter, I think, on a daily basis. 
And like I said, I believe these nine guys were thankful. They just didn't, they didn't say it. They didn't show their gratitude. I feel like this is a, a sin of a lot of Christians today is in our hearts, we're grateful, we're thankful, but we never show it. You know, we, we're grateful that somebody does something to us, and oftentimes it just stays within us. They never know that we're grateful for it. A, a thank you here and there. We, you know, we as adults, we teach our kids, uh, we should at least, say thank you, say please, use your manners. And yet, I, you don't hear adults saying it very often. You know, we want our kids to do it. We have to be the examples as well. We need to say please. We need to say thank you constantly and not just say it because our mom and dad make us do it, but because we're, generally, we're genuinely thankful. Where are the nine? Of the many that receive mercy from God, there are but few, very few, that return to give thanks for all that God has done for us. And the math of this passage shows us that, well, 10%. 10% in this passage gave thanks to God. Imagine if only 10% of Christianity today gave God the true thankfulness that he deserved. Now, I don't even know if one person can truly, really give God all the gratitude that he deserves. I don't think we're capable. It's, I mean, we're so undeserving of everything that we have in life. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Not only does he make this statement, where are the nine? <laughs> My man, look in verse 17. And Jesus answering said, uh, were there not ten cleansed? He, he knew that. It's a rhetorical question. But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Here it is, verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith. His gratitude turns to faith. Jesus looked at the Samaritan and saw the gratitude of this man and saw past his gratitude and saw something more genuine than just being grateful. He saw faith. He saw a legitimate glorifying of God. He wasn't just saying thankful just to say, oh yeah, thank you for giving me my life back. Appreciate that. No, there was something different about this guy. He made the trek back. And Jesus saw something in him he did that were apparently not in the other nine. He saw a faith. And it was that faith, he said, that hath made the whole. I think of those ten, this is the guy right here that went out into the world and made a difference for Christ. Because he, had a, he wasn't just grateful on the, on the outside. He was affected to his heart. And he wanted so bad to prove to God that he was grateful for what he had done, that he wanted to show it. And he had nothing. He's a leper. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have a job. He has no money. He's nothing. But what he could give God was his heart. And God saw that. Where are the nine? Are you one of the nine? Maybe you're that one. God has given us so much. I know some of us have gone through a hard, some hard times. Some of us have gone through harder times than others. Some of us grew up in a home 
different than others. All of our backgrounds are different, and your lifestyle now is different, and how you got to where you are today is different. I understand that. But no matter who you are or where you are in life, God is so good to us. Here's a guy who had nothing. Now, if we had leprosy and God healed you specifically, yeah, it would be easy to be thankful. But nine didn't even take the time to say it. How can we be grateful? How can we be thankful? How can we show our gratitude to God? Well, there's, a new, there's, a, there's so many different ways that we can. But consider today, obey his word. How can we show our gratitude to God? Obey God. Obey his word. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So many Christians love God. We say we do. We don't do anything he says. How is that showing gratitude? Parents, when we try to raise our kids and we say, Hey, I need you to do this. And your kids snap back and say, No. And you're thinking, Where's the gratitude? Do you not know what I've done for you? And they don't care. There'll they'll come a point in their life, we hope, that they eventually look back and go, hey, you know what? Thank you. Wow. Being an adult is hard. Man. And you know, one day they, they may realize and come back. I think most of us do. But in that moment, obey God. Give thanks unto the Lord. Assume that we do indeed follow him as our Lord. How else can we show our gratitude to God? Give him offerings. One of the best ways to express thanksgiving is through thankful giving. Out of gratitude for what the Lord has done for you, why can't we learn to give an extra offering to him? Invest in his work or give to someone in need in his name. One of the best ways that we can prove that we love God is by giving. Money is one. We can learn to give time. I imagine if this guy here, this guy right here, who just came back and thanked God for all that he had done. I imagine he first, his first, uh, first time in the synagogue, first Saturday back in the synagogue, you know, he's there. And I imagine if the pastor, the, the priest, you know, the, the, was, the pastor was preaching and he says, today is sacrifice Sunday. I want you to consider giving unto God. I can't help but think that this guy sitting in church would go, oh, I don't have anything, but I will give all that I can. You want me to give back to, to Jesus? You want me to give back to God? After what he just did for me? Oh, easy. What do you want? Just tell me what it is. I'll give it. But the average Christian, once uh, preaching starts talking about, once a preacher starts talking about money, oh, <laughs> it's gone too far. I give enough as it is. It's extra over above everything else. All of a sudden, we, uh, our hands get clammy and our skin gets white. Money is so precious to us. It's everything to us. Except we forget that it was God that has given all of it to us in the first place. Money is one of the greatest ways. Giving is one of the greatest ways that we can show our gratitude to God. First Chronicles 16.29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. We can obey his word as one way that we can show our gratitude. 
We can give him offerings. How about just verbally thank him in prayer? Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Just thank him verbally when you're praying. Say, Lord, before I begin, thank you for the knees that I could even kneel on. Thank you for the pillow that I could lay my head down on. Thank you that for my health, and maybe your health isn't as strong as you hoped it would be. But thank you that you have the life and breath to even, to even look up to the God in heaven and thank him for the day. So much to be thankful for. Or last thing you can consider here is thank the people that he has used in your life. Show your gratitude to God by thanking other people in your life that have brought you to this point. Those that have spent time, parents, those that have given spiritual counsel, spiritual advice, that have helped you get to where you are today. Learn to be thankful for the people that God has placed in your life. Take time today to express gratitude to others who, have, who God has used in your life to get you to where you are today. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Learn to be thankful for what we have in life. Thanksgiving at its best is thanksgiving. Give the Lord thanks. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Are you thankful to God today? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.